This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 471 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and TotalSaddleFit.com. Today, we interview a gated dressage expert, Jenny Ball Jackson, by special request of an auditor. And Philip and I will take you through the details of first level test three. And we have an interesting training tip about the origins of the dressage letters. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. This is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Reese. You did a good job with the intro. Like, I know. Like you're, you're we're professional. having a <laughs> yeah. I'm getting getting there, uh, but we're having a little trouble with Phil's sound, so I took over the reins. But I'm I'm always happy to hand that back to you next week. <laughs> well, Phil, uh, we have gotten some great feedback um, about our announcement last week, which has been so nice. We've gotten lots of emails uh, and Facebook shoutouts about becoming the official podcast of USDF, and we really want to thank everybody for for those kind words. Yeah, and we'll. We love the support, and we love the USDF as well for bringing yep. us along with them, and we can uh, um, have a USDF episode every month. Yeah, so we're really on. looking forward to it. So um, I hope, too. How's it going with the book club, Phil? So far, I, I, I have not gotten my book in the mail oh. yet, but I'm, I'm <laughs> waiting for it. I'm waiting for it, but um, they just, uh, they're just going to send it over. It's just crossing the border and you know that, that, kind of or whatever. <laughs> that I don't know. makes it a little more challenging doesn't it um, <laughs> for yeah, sure for the, for the mail for the mail stuff and our, i think our mail is a little slow as well up here but it's okay yeah. i'm really i'm excited to get to it i'm gonna tear through that book i i mean uh, i'm really looking forward to uh to reading it learning all the great stuff and then talking about it on the show next month so. Yes. Yeah, so just a reminder, we have a book club book club running. We're really looking forward to all of this. Um, and I hope that everybody enjoys. Um, you can find more information on our Facebook page. But also just to remind you, we are for this month reading When Two Spines Align, uh, Dressage Dynamic by Beth Baumert. Uh, and we're going to discuss uh, with one of our listeners and auditors uh, at the first show of every month. So you have a month. I know there was a little criticism that we gave you guys a month. Um, I hear you, but get on it. And I, I think you'll <laughs> like this book. I, I You know, we went with a month, um, but I hope I hope you uh, get on it and, and get reading and or get your book. You still have time. And uh, actually, when you get into the book, it's, it's a pretty quick read or uh, I think you'll find some exercises and things that will work well for your horse. So um, we hope you uh, get, get going uh, with us. That sounds great. Well, we have a great first guest. I hope everybody enjoys. Uh, she is a gated dressage expert. Jenny Jackson. Well, tonight, by special request from one of our auditors who's been asking for quite a long time to get some information about gated dressage, we have Jenny Ball Jackson. She's the co founder of Dressage and Gate on the show. Welcome, Jenny, to the show. Thank you for having me. So, Jenny, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started with gated dressage. 
Okay, well, I started, um, I was doing versatility with the Tennessee Walking Horses back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And in the early 90s, we started just applying dressage to our gated horses and how wonderfully it worked. And then we um, started asking the shows, the different show secretaries and management, to start allowing us to have dressage classes. And in the late 90s is when the International in Tennessee um, hosted a, oh, they had, what, two classes, intro and training level, basically. So it was quite an adventure um, because of the differences and the, and the conflict that we ran into with um, traditional, what I'll call traditional dressage, which are what I call the trot horses, is they thought we wanted to compete with them. And it was, no, we want to compete with ourselves. Um, it's not that we, we understand that uh, our horses move hollow in their intermediate gait. So, therefore, um, you know, we don't want our horses to trot. We want to keep our inherited gait. And, but yet we like the discipline of dressage and we want to use principles to, um, to get our horses in shape, uh, make our horses less hollow. And so I, with our gated horses, now when I say gated horses, I mean all of them, from your approving pastas, your pastofinos, walking horses, Icelandic foxtrotters, all those guys that do a, what we call an intermediate gait. We don't trot. Uh, maybe we can get a, a little bit more explanation about the gated horses and about how the intermediate gait differs from a trot. The gated horse does everything your traditional walk horse, as far as the walk is concerned and the canter is concerned. We want the horse, our gated horses, to have a traditional walk and canter. So the only thing that is different is the intermediate gait, which is either a broken lateral gait or a broken diagonal gait. So we on the gated horses, especially when we're talking about um, the walking horse in general, we want that overstride to not only be four inches, but six, seven, eight, up to 12 to 15 inches overstride. Um, and that fall foot pattern would be a broken lateral pattern. And a true trot is two beat, and a true pace is two beat. So a trot is a diagonal pair hitting the ground together, and the pace is the lateral pair hitting the ground together. So what we want to do is take, we don't want to trot and we don't want to pace. So let's take that arm that swings from the trot to the pace, and let's swing it straight up. And the straight-up part would so be what we call our intermediate In between. Okay. 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 So is there, <laughs> is there many competitions? Yeah, is there many dressage com competitions for gated horses? Like, is this a sport that's growing and, and you're seeing more and more, you know, people coming along with it? Oh, absolutely. Um, in fact, since the um, Western dressage was accepted by USEF, it has really um, grown 
immensely because now we get men that say, you know what? I don't want to wear the chod pants or the high boots, but you know, I'll put on a pair of shaps, a cowboy hat. And that's been really a wonderful thing because we still have the discipline. Even you just changed your attire, basically. It's the same thing. What we're asking the horse to be a good load carrier. We're asking the rider to become a better load to carry. So, we're still keeping the discipline of dressage, but yet we're opening it up with WDDA, Western Dressage Association. And with Western Dressage, when they were accepted with USDF a few years ago, they um, allowed the gated horse to come along with them. Producer Jen here. The, wet, the gated dressage uses the training scale, just like trot dressage, we'll say it that way, uh, or Western dressage. Everybody uses the training scale. So when you first start working on dressage principles with your gated horse, um, what might be you have Georgette, the trail rider, sitting on her Florida cracker gated horse, and all she's ever done is trail ride with him. She's never tried to do any type of training to change the horse's natural balance that he just happens to use because that's what he likes. What might be the first few things that they start to work on? They're going to go in the arena and they're going to start doing some gated dressage. What might be some things that a typical gated dressage instructor like yourself would work on with that person? Well, the first thing that we want to um, introduce to this rider, this particular rider, is usually a snaffle bit. <laughs> Right. Okay, that's a good start. That's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> good start. Mostly because you're going to find most of the riders riding in a curb bit. Um, <clears throat> because that's just what they're handed when they buy a gated horse. It's like, ride Charlie in this, and, and he'll be a good boy, and he'll stay gating the rest of his life. Well, that's not a fact. Um, first of all, so what we want to teach the horse, this gated horse, first, <clears throat> is to when I apply... <clears throat> The left leg in his side used to move his left hip, gotcha. move away with his left hip. Okay. And so then we do both sides. And so once we get that, the pivot on the forehand, <clears throat> and the rider understands it, the horse understands to move away from pressure, and then we get up in the saddle. And then with me on the ground and the rider on, on the back, we apply that leg, and then I apply my pressure. And you keep the horse, again, just with a little bent to the inside leg and ask the horse to move away from that inside leg. Mm -hmm. And I know that sounds, oh, my gosh, that's what my four-year-old learns, you know, within six months. But these gated horses do not learn this. And it's very sad because, remember, they have a curb bit in their mouth, and uh, they weren't ever taught lateral control. All they understand is longitudinal front to back, which you know and I know, that's way, way later. And so um, they put a curb bit, obviously, too fast in their mouth. But that's just what these people are taught out there. So I may sound like I'm really grassroots. Um, um, bare well, I think, bones I, type yeah, of the basics stuff. are the most important things. I mean, you know, from uh, any dressage perspective, it's really, you know, honing in those basics and making it work for riders and making riders understand and horses understand. And, you know, I think once it's, I think all the dressages are the same. All the training is the mm-hmm. same. You know, when your basics are good, then you can move forward and there's, you know, there's other things to do, but 
they all rely on really simple concepts that you have to be able to do really well in a relaxed environment and on you know on demand. So it sounds to me like you know whether it's a gated horse or a trotting horse or an upside down horse or a backwards horse. I mean, it's all <laughs> the same principle. Yeah. And absolutely. there's people out there that are that are teaching this, and and that's really wonderful. It sounds like you know you're introducing this to maybe new people or a new area and and i think that's uh just like western dressage as it come along i mean it's it's, a, it's great it's it's wonderful and it, it can be helpful for all horses it, it is it is a discipline that is for all horses and it's a springboard into whatever you want to do you know if you want to do endurance riding well you ride your horse in a hollow frame for 50 miles you're gonna have a sore horse at the end of that trail ride but if you teach him to to round and soften his back um Therefore, again, I'm looking for the horse um, longevity. I'm, I'm looking for the horse to last and, um, you know, not to go lame in his teens. Well, it's it's fantastic, and I think that's the biggest thing um, that that we can kind of get from from your training and, and from the gated dressage is it's really dressage for every horse, and and that's what we like to hear, and and it's phenomenal. So we'd love to thank you for your time today, and if our listeners have any questions, we had some special requests for you to come on the show. So how can they find you online? Well, you can reach me um, through my website. It's for the number four, com, And um, I do clinics, three, four-day clinics, um, all over the United States and in Canada. So, great. well, thank you for having me. Thanks really so much. That was lots of fun. Have a great evening. Well, that was fun. We always like to help, um, you know, if listeners want a question, we will get it answered. So uh, we enjoyed that very much. And so after this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, we're going to come back with our series on uh, the highest test of the level. Um, and we're going to talk about the first part of first level test three. Hi, Glenda Geek here from the Horse Radio Network, and I'm here with Karen from Kentucky Performance Products with a sensible supplementing tip of the week. Well, Karen, this week we're talking about uh, an article that you wrote, actually, in, on, on your website at kppusa.com called Does Your Horse Need Extra Vitamins? And that's a great question because I don't think people are ever quite sure whether they need vitamins or not. No, and I think a lot of people don't realize that actually their horses do uh, create a certain number of vitamins within their body. So there's some things that they really don't need if they're healthy and they're not stressed. But, you know, vitamins are organic compounds, um, and when they're provided in the, the proper amounts, they, they play a major role in the well-being of your horse. So, I mean, they have to have them. There are two basic types of vitamins. There are fat-soluble vitamins and water-soluble vitamins. And the fat-soluble vitamins, and many people may remember this from their biology classes in high school, are A, B, E, and K. And all that all in the world that means fat-soluble is that they're stored in the body. Um, they're either stored in the liver or they're stored in fatty tissues. Now, uh, it does mean that you have to be a little bit careful with some of those vitamins that you don't give a horse too many of them. So um, that's something to keep in mind. Uh, vitamin E, uh, in particular, is uh, one of the more commonly fed fat-soluble vitamins, but uh, it's very, very hard to feed too much vitamin E. They're, they haven't even really been able to show that it's toxic uh, at all. So that's one of the, the vitamins that you don't have to worry about too much in a horse. 
Um, horses actually do require a certain amount of fat in their diets in order to um, properly absorb these uh, fat-soluble vitamins in their small intestines. Um, there is a, cert- a small amount of fat in hays and grasses and, and most of the grains that we feed. But it is a good idea sometimes to feed a little bit extra fat to your horse. It will help them absorb these fat-soluble vitamins. Um, believe it or not, um, horses can synthesize uh, vitamin D from sunlight just like people can. So very rarely do we have to supplement vitamin D. And the micro um, the microbes in the hind gut can synthesize vitamin K. So you don't really have to worry about vitamin D and vitamin K in horses. Um, Vitamin A uh, is also um, made out of beta carotene, which is found in grass. So if your horse is getting some grass, they're they're usually getting enough vitamin A. So vitamin E of the fat-soluble vitamins is the essential one that you need to um, be sure your horse is getting enough of because unless they're eating a lot of grass, they're probably not getting enough vitamin E. So you need to watch out for that one. Okay. Uh, water-soluble vitamins. Those are the B-complex vitamins and vitamin C. Now, water-soluble vitamins are not stored in the body. Um, your horse eats them, and he either urinates or defecates them away. Whatever he doesn't need, he kind of gets rid of. Um, everybody knows about the B-complex vitamins. And they have different names. They have names and numbers. So B1 is thiamine. Riboflavin is B2, niacin is B3, and, you know, you can kind of look those up. Um, One of the ones um, that we are all aware of is B7, which is biotin. Um, And biotin is one of the B vitamins that we have to watch for in horses. All the B-complex vitamins are available in pasture, fresh plant material. Um, And also the good bugs in the hindgut will synthesize a lot of the B vitamins. So, like, vitamins like B1, 2, 3, 6, and 12 are all synthesized in the horse's body, so they're not considered essential. And unless a horse is very stressed uh, or is having problems with their digestive tract, those vitamins are, are supplied. Biotin is synthesized in the gut as well, but we don't feel that horses, some horses will not synthesize enough. So if you have a horse that's having trouble with their feet, um, giving them additional biotin is a good idea. Vitamin C is an interesting one. Um, Horses can synthesize vitamin C from the glucose in their liver. And if a horse is not stressed, they will produce enough vitamin C. You have to be careful supplementing vitamin C because you can actually turn off that process. And then you can get your horse in trouble because they won't make their own anymore. So um, vitamin C, it's, it's good to not supplement a lot of that. Um, it's a good thing because my horse won't, won't drink orange juice anyway, Karen. So, yeah, you yeah, know, if you yeah. think about it, horses aren't eating a lot of stuff. No. <laughs> so those are some of the vitamins um, that are out there. And as you can see, your horse actually gets a lot of them on his own. Uh, horses that might need extra vitamins are those that are limited, um, have limited access to fresh grass or that are eating poor quality hay. Uh, horses in high-stress situations like that are traveling frequently or are being relocated. Um, young growing horses need more vitamins because they have rapid bone and muscular growth, so they need more. Mares in the last trimester of pregnancy or those that are lactating typically will need additional vitamins. And any horse that's recovering from a trauma, either illness or surgery, could benefit from some extra vitamins. So the best thing to do is kind of look at your diet. Um, it'll That'll give you some idea of what um, vitamins are being provided. And, again, if the horse isn't getting grass, 
and vitamin E is definitely something you need to think about. Well, that's terrific. Now, I, I think one of the services that Kentucky Performance Products pr- has provided to our listeners in the past is actually being able to get a hold of you guys and to ask the questions to find out where their horses might be lacking and which products fit specific uh, needs. So how do they do that? Well, absolutely. There's there's multiple different ways that you can get in touch with us, depending on you know what you're most comfortable with or what time of day it is. If you jump up in the middle of the night and you go, oh, my goodness, you know, you can always um, shoot us an email. And if you go to our website and go to our contact page, there's an email called info at kppusa.com. And you can contact us there. You can contact us if you're on Facebook. You can leave a, a question on Facebook. You can either leave it on the page live or you can send us a, an independent message. That would be uh, considered private. Um, you can all, also call us uh, anytime at, uh, and those phone numbers are on our contact page as well. So we are not here on the weekends, but um, I do monitor the Facebook page on the weekends. So if your question comes up on a weekend, go to Facebook and ask us. Also, if you read, if you go to any of our articles and tips and topics and you have a question once you've finished reading it, go ahead and put that question in the comments and we'll respond to it. So there's multiple ways you can find us. And I know many of our listeners in the past have contacted you directly and had had their problems solved. So feel free to get a hold of them over at Kentucky Performance Products. Go to kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. Well, Phil, we are both sort of in the midst of show season now. We just went to a horse show over the weekend, and uh, it, we, had a, we had a great time. Uh, it was the first time I've gone to a horse show in a long time for fun. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, you no, know, you I go think for fun and a purpose and a purpose. Exactly. But, you know, I took my own horse to a horse show uh, and I took, yeah. uh, you know, I took my own horse yeah. to a horse show uh, and my expectation was actually pretty low. Uh, well, I think that kind of warranted it. And, and that's where I'm going with this is, is I think when you go to a horse show, it's very important to have an expectation of what you're going to the horse show for. Um, especially cause I took follow me. Everybody's been uh, asking me how he's doing and big Mike. Um, I took big Mike to, to this horse show. Um, and then my assistant Ashley ran took her new horse, Fendi Fabulo um, to his first horse show with them together. So we had some pretty clear goals on what we were doing um, at this show. Are I, those I, goals just getting through the test? Is that what, yeah, is that, is yeah. that what I'm hearing here? That's what like you're hearing. Yeah, yes, okay. sir. You're okay. feeling That's what I'm fire. putting down here. Well, yeah, you know, fair. follow me is in a weird stage um, in the sense of he's six years old. Uh, and, and I do feel like he needs to go to horse shows. He needs to go to horse shows, and um, I, you know, he is he is really good at first level test three, like a champion. So we're going to talk about first level test three here in a minute um, in our series, but uh, he's a champion at first three. So I really wanted to step it up into the second level range, uh, which is as we talked about before, it's a huge jump, it's a huge jump between first level and second level, um, first level test three and second level test three. So um, I knew I was taking him. I entered the horse show. Partly because it kind of spurred me on to better greatness. You know, it spurred me on to really asking him some hard questions in training. Uh, and he's six years old, so he's not an old guy, uh, but he needs to go to horse shows. So um, I went ahead and I wanted to see sort of where I was. And uh, I was happy. I mean, he won both his classes, so that was great. Um, 
but we definitely need some more work. We need some more work in the collection. Um, and where I'm going with this is, I thought it was a very successful weekend. We only had a couple moments where, you know that movie, I forget what it is, but it's like, squirrel, pay attention. And uh. we did that a few times. It was more, there was a puppy. Well, attention deficit. Attention de- deficit. We had that a little bit. But, I mean, that's what you get when you show a six-year-old that doesn't have a lot of show experience. So, um, so we had a break in the medium trot. I mean, it just wasn't as polished with as it would like. So it really kind of now it gave me a nice gauge to say, okay, you know what? We're going to wait another couple months. We're going to work a little bit harder on that and we'll go back again. So, um, but where I'm going, I didn't knock the scores out of the park. I got, I got okay scores. It wasn't, I mean, I mean, it was good enough to win, but um, I think it's always good as you go to a horse show, you're going to be tested. You're also going I don't need to be told I'm amazing. I mean, it's always nice to be told you're amazing, but you're going to a horse show because I can I can do it in my arena here at my house by myself with nothing going on. I can do a fairly good test. I mean, I could probably get in my mind at least kind of upper sixties, seventies <laughs> in my mind. That's not Phil, everybody here coaching. But in my mind, you know, I'm like, okay. I mean, I can I can achieve all the movements and 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 all those things. But it's really different when you go have to go to a horse show. And have to do it in the arena. And I think a lot of people forget that, <laughs> you know, and, and riding kind of a greener horse. Uh, I got a good reminder of, you know, the golf cart going by and, and attention and, and all those things. So um, that's that's kind of what happened to us this weekend. I think weekend. it can still be fine. I think it can still be fine with these things yeah. that go on as long as you don't think it's going to be perfect. Yeah. Right. And then you just, just be happy. And, you know, and the judges are paid to be critical. That's not that's not really in their nature of most judges. That's just their job to sit there in the booth and be critical. So, um, right, you right. know, I think and, you and still I'll, have a good time yeah. and and take the advice that they give and take the criticisms as well right. as the uh, you know as well as the the good things that they say and uh, you know carry on and just do another show. Yeah, and I think that yeah, exactly. And I think um, my f- takeaway from this horse show, this particular horse show, was everyone was complaining about the judging. Um, oh, the judge is this and the judge is that. And I will be honest, I had, uh, there were three horses. I also, a, a student of mine went and three of us went. And I felt like if you really sat down and read what the judge was saying, I, I happen to agree in my particular case. I mean, mine were pretty obvious. Uh, you can't have a break and get a good score. Um, but it was good to to step back, but I think it was really good for us as a group to remember, yes, sometimes you get a bad score, but you got to look at why you got a bad score and you got to really take a deep breath. Maybe not at that moment, um, but take, take it, criticism. Well, you got to take it as, exactly. uh, as someone trying to help you just like a, in a lesson, like right. your coach is criticizing you and telling you how to do it better. And the judge is just another, another type of coaching. It gets written down. You get a, yes. you know, you get a mark and and it's very, it's very hard to take you know, on your ego. That's, you know, something you have to learn very early on in riding dressage is to, you know, put the ego to one side and try and take out of what the judge is criticizing and say, you know, I can really work on that. I can really, you know, make that better. I can sit down with my coach when they have time to, to improve on that and come back and show that, you know, go to another show and say, okay, this is something I really wanted to improve, whether it's one or two things in your test and, and improve that. Yes, agreed. And just Im- improve one little box from a, uh, a five to a six or uh, a five to a seven. You know, just one box, one little box at a time. Yeah. You can work on it, and and you know, 
don't have such a big ego that you can't take that yes. criticism. And, exactly. You know, and that, that, nobody that, says you're nobody's saying you're a bad writer. Nobody's saying no. that you don't know what you're doing or or all of these things that, that you get in your head when when you get a score that isn't what you thought you should get. Just be okay with it. Work on yeah. it. Go back and do it again. And go back and do it again. And and I think that's what I saw kind of generally. Uh like I said, it was pretty easy for me to do that because of I had an expectation going to the horse show. Uh I knew there were some things we did well. And the things we didn't do well, um, unfortunately, the second day we have great simple changes. It's like our highlight, and it did not go well. Um, <laughs> but you know, it there's certain, yeah, it happens, right? Again, there was we lost a little attention, and then didn't pay attention. So, but I think that's exactly where I was going with this: is you can't always blame the judges. Like that is a very hard job, and I think if people. Uh, you know, it's kind of a little bit of our pet peeve. I think, Pit Phil, I'm putting you in there with me. It's a little bit of a pet peeve, you know. Um, it's not always the judges. And I think you really have to step back and say, okay, what are we looking at here? So um, I, that was my wrap-up and take from the horse show um, is is just step back when you have a minute. You call. It was hot. Have a drink of any kind of beverage. It doesn't matter. Sit down read your test in a clear mind and not that the judge hates you or, or I don't believe judges sit back there. That's a hard job. And I think they truly want to do well for the sport. So anyways, that was my, that was my little bit of soapboxing okay. for today. So, <laughs> that's two cents. Yeah, that I was think my what two cents. we were going to do here, we used to yes. go through first level test three. Yeah, so and, we're back uh, on our trying series. Trying to break it down a little bit movement and by movement yes. and uh, see, yes. see if we can help. Anybody with all the little details and all the little polish moments that you need to do to be, you know, to be hitting 70s at first level. Absolutely. That's what we, we hope. We want everybody. We're encouraging everybody to go out there and get. <laughs> so our, for our new listeners that may have joined us uh, from the USDF podcast, we've, we've started this series and, and you can always go back to our, for, uh, our shows before and in search. Um, but this was, I think, two shows ago. We, we started talking about how... Uh, there's a book I found at the Half Price Bookstore, How to Ride a Winning Dressage Test, A Judge's Guide to Step-by-Step Improvement by General jo- uh, Jonathan Burton, um, by General Burton. So uh, it's a great book. It's very, it's an old book, but Phil and I uh, really liked it and uh, kind of spurred us on to thinking. We're okay. sort of adapting it for our own purposes. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. yeah, we brought up the first level test three, you know, the, the tests on the internet have the directives, which we really like and we like you know, to talk about those through each movement and, mm-hmm. and, uh, like I said, really help people to, to, to uh, really think get these qualifying tests. scores and get to yeah, regionals. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So we ready, Phil? So first level test three, um, it starts with a enter working trot X halt salute proceed working trot. Um, so I, I, I always get the center lines. I like this. Um, but, one of the things that I like to think about um, and tell my students is to make sure you have a plan around the arena uh, that you don't just go in there and sort of like a balloon, get the, let the air out, you know, go in, have a little bit of a plan as you go through and, and you're doing this. So for example, uh, this weekend on follow me, my, I was cantering around. He needed to sort of get in there and, and move around a little bit and stay in front of my leg. Um, so that was what I did. But um, so then you want to think. I like to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I was just going to say, I just uh, in, at, at first level, I like to do, you know, trot up and make a halt and trot out. I might be able to do that twice before the judge rings the bell. I think that's really, for me, a really good idea because 
that's how the test starts. So I do it once yep. or twice before I actually go in. The horse is used to doing it. That helps to settle the nerves a little bit. And then we can just, you know, the bell rings and I just, you know, it, I'll be doing it the second or the third time already. So no yep. problem. Down the center line. Down the center line. Salute. Immobility is so important. People are so keen to start their test that they, you know, they, they halt, they barely salute, and then they're off again. I think that's sort of a mistake, you know, because it sets sort of a, a nervous tone for the horses. Well, and that's true. And I think, that, you know, you want to make sure that your horse is sharp, is going to trot. You know, in, in first level test three, you have to trot halt uh, and trot out. There's no longer, you can no longer walk into the halt in first level. And also, uh, as it stands right now, you can either post or sit uh, the all of the trot movements. So you want to make sure the horse is in front of your aids and is obedient, that you have a nice straight center line, which is actually a little bit tricky. Uh, and then you want to make sure that the horse stays straight as you make your turn to the left. So, Phil, it's track left, HXF, change rein, lengthen stride and trot, and F, working trot. Yeah, I think uh, one of the biggest mistakes that I see uh, people as they practice this test um, and then as they ride it in the arena is that don't get their length and strides soon enough. So you got to be, you know, if it says HXF, change rein, length and stride, at H, you got to be lengthening. At F, you got to be shortening. Yeah. And the transition. You know, uh, we see a little bit too much of a, a crescendo effect. And, and I think we talked about that in a different interview, but sort of. Mm-hmm. Like X, you have three strides of your beautiful length and trot, and then it kind of peters out. So, you know, somebody's building towards the beautiful strides and then sort of petering out as you get to F. Um, really, what you want to be doing is showing your transition at at H and a different transition at F. You know, really, right. the, the same, you know, each stride of the lengthening is the same. So right. for top marks, right. that's what you want to do. Yeah. Exactly. Um, by the time you get to first level test three, that's what you should be doing. In first level test one, for your first lengthening, uh, you know that you're doing in a ring or whatever, a little bit of that crescendo is sort of fine. But here, you want to see, you know, turn the corner, out of the corner, boom, go, and then you know, go, 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 refresh. Actually, on the second quarter line, so you're not just sort of slowing down as you approach the wall, and then you get the wall and you shorten that stride, and the horse is in good balance. Um, that you didn't pull the reins too hard and stop the horse's energy, but you kind of gather it up and create a little bit the first ideas of collection, then you will get top marks, promise. Yeah, I love it. So then this is where I think this test gets tricky, and I think you really need to train this movement because you're going to come around the short side, and from K to X, you leg yield right, and X to H, you leg yield left. So one of the things that I see is that people, you need to be ready to leg yield, not preparing to leg yield at K. You need to be ready to be going sideways or even for me going a step sideways already before you hit the marker. Because if you don't, you're going to end up halfway down the long side (laughs) and then really have to go to the side. Nowhere near X. Yeah, we see that. Nowhere near X. Nowhere near X. The judge is sitting right there so they can see (laughs) all of it. So that is bad. So you need to make sure. I actually tell riders to, yeah, I tell riders to cut the corner, actually. Not ride that that corner too deep. Mm -hmm. Have your outside bend established in the corner. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And not wait. Normally, the judge, unless it's really egregious, really obvious, but... Um, yeah, cheat in the corner, cut it out a little bit, have your outside <laughs> bend established. Uh, yeah, a little, you know, but 
have your outside bend established. And then, you know, before you get to, like you said, Reese, before you get to letter, give that horse a real strong aid because it's all horses. They like to be magnetized into the wall and into the nice kickboards that mm-hmm. they're used to, right? Or the little white fence. Yep. The hardest step to making leg yield here is the first step. First, yes, absolutely. Yeah, you'll find you get one or two steps. You get away from the wall a little bit. The horse is a little bit like, oh, okay, and then and then we'll you'll make it to X, no problem. Mm-hmm. But if and- you're like if you're a little late with this, or you're not strong enough with that outside leg, or or even a little tap with the outside to say get away from the wall, and then and then you'll like as soon as you're away from the wall, magnetism breaks and. Now you're moving sideways, so that's yeah. my little my little tip there. Prepare your outside bend early. Don't mm-hmm. too deep in the corner, and and like you like strong aid. Get it, get them off the wall. Get them off the wall, and and make sure here. I mean, I think the rider position and the leg yield is really important. And again, the judge is right in front of you, so you need to have your weight and your outside um, seat bone, which in this case uh, is the right, because you are leg yielding to the right. And then at X, you need to change the horse's positioning. Uh, and again. Don't go past X because that also, so the stride before X is when you want to think I'm going to push them straight. I'm going to change the bend and then I'm going to go to the left. Okay. So Phil, we've just finished the leg yield. And so movement five is C circle, right? 20 uh, meters and rising trot, allowing the horse to stretch forward and downward before C shorten the reins. C working trot. Our favorite stretch circle is back. <laughs> well, we've had a couple of episodes where we've talked about yes. this. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's a very important movement, coefficient of two. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're looking for maximum stretch. That's basically judges are not happy. Not going to give you an eight or a nine unless that horse's nose is in front of the vertical and down towards the ground. Mm-hmm. It's um, true. Every horse does this a little bit differently, but I, I really... Prepare the horse by encouraging a little, a little bit of bend in the corner, a little bit of bend coming up to the circle, so they're to my outside, connected to my outside rein, so that when I give the outside rein, they actually go down and towards it. I think that's mm-hmm. a really, you know, inside like the outside rein, really important uh, concept, and it really can help you here in this um, stretch. Yes. So we don't want to see, you know, be careful for overbending because then you're just causing a little bit loss of balance when the nose is too far to the inside. Um, just practice, practice, practice. And we yeah. talked about and like I, just doing it gradually, you know, mm-hmm. that's another good concept. And, uh, yeah, yeah no, I think it's good. And I think the only other thing I would say is I think it's important that as you do the movement that, um, a lot of people will ask the horse to stretch and then maybe halfway around the circle, ask again, but there's still contact in the stretch. And so don't just let the horse go flat yeah, and it's don't not a say free anything. Walk, right? it's not no, a free it's not a free for all. Yeah, exactly. You need to still have contact yeah. and you need to be suppling and doing those things. So I love it. Okay. So then we go to our circle, right? 10 meters. Uh, you know, I find Phil, the people don't get the geometry right on this bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a little bit of a hard question for your first level horse. You know, mm-hmm. um, we see all kinds of problems a little bit too much. Overbending <laughs> is one of the biggest Yes. problems and a 10 meter circle actually tests your ability to uh, maintain the horse fairly straight and really balanced that means outside rein is so important here and as i train the horse and as i ride the horse i actually will take a little counter bend to my 10 meter circle so the horse learns to turn the shoulders that's mm-hmm. that's the question of the 10 meter circle is can the horse uh, shorten the stride a little bit and turn the shoulders but you know 
when we see riders riding this the first time or training this, they think, okay, 10 meter circle, it's more bend, like lots and lots of bend, right? Mm-hmm. And they end yep. up cranking on the inside rein and the horse's out, outside shoulder falls out and yeah. we get we get a lot of different iterations of what happens at that point. So, mm-hmm. you know, think think of reducing the bend from a 20 meter circle and and getting the shoulder around a little bit more and then you're getting you know the idea and the concept of a small circle better and then you reintroduce the bend back in what what you're really trying to do is keep the bend through the horse's body like mm-hmm. increase the the small circle increases the bend from wither to tail and reduces it from wither to ears if you think about that you'll do a better job good one phil no, it's true. And just remember the geometry too, right? Yeah. There is um, 12 across, meters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's 12 meters between um, between the markers. So you need to go halfway between or just a little bit shy of halfway between is five meters. So check your geometry on that. I think that's super important yeah. as you go through. If you cross you, the center line, that's where the judge is sitting. So they're going to know mm-hmm. that more than, yeah. you know, more than anything else, you know, so, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, so you have to be careful there. When you start it, look at the center line, and when you're halfway done, look back at the wall. Yeah, that's true. That's- and you're halfway between R and M and R and B, so or just under because it's twelve meters. So, yeah, and then you then this is a good test of uh, your half halt actually because you're going to turn right at B, you're going to halt at X, and you're going to proceed working trot in E track left. So. Um, this one you got to pay attention to because, again, you don't want to miss the mark uh, because the judge is sitting at the center line. So you need to make sure your halt is immobile, your halt is square. square. Yeah. You ha- you have to make sure that is actually a square turn as you go. It's not yeah. a round turn. It's a square so, turn. So, yeah, if we talk about the outside mm-hmm. rain again here, again, <laughs> if your horse is overbending, he's going to blow the turn for sure. Mm-hmm. Re- you know, reduce the bend or when you're training take a little outside bend. You got to be able to get those yeah. shoulders around so that by the quarter line, basically you're straight and by the center yeah. line, you're halted. Um, straight yeah. and square. And so this yeah. takes some practice because you really, the horses go, they make the turn, they fall on their forehand and then you have to halt. Um, and if you ride a big giraffe, like I do, uh, you've got to <laughs> really have them paying attention uh, to yeah. that movement. I got to brag a little bit because I got an eight on this, like my last show two weeks ago. Oh, C Phil's yeah. perfect. Well, I know. No, I'm just well, eight is not perfect, but <laughs> that's pretty I was good. Pretty good. But, I was pretty good on this one. But it's good training, right? I mean, that tells you, um, you know, every halt you train, you should train square, anyways. And so, you know, that's it's a good thing. That's that's excellent. Good job, Phil. I don't mean to be teasing you. All right. <laughs> so then you're going to turn left, and V, you're going to do a circle left ten meters. Same thing applies to the left as it does the right. Uh, I would just say be careful to not overbend. I would say probably 80 or 90% of my riders have left rein overbending disease. Um, (laughs) Because a lot of most of the horses are hollow to the left. So riders pull a little bit more because it feels like the horse is bending more. Well, actually, the horse's hind legs are going to, right, their outside hind legs are going to fall out more just by the definition of the hollow. That's not all the time. But left rein disease is pervasive, so you have to be careful. You've <laughs> got out that there. outside rein. No, it's out there. Don't catch um, that. Yeah, and again, you visualize and you know your marks because you don't want to lose a point. It drives me crazy when people lose point on geometry. Don't lose points on your geometry because it's already hard enough. You don't want to be doing that.
This week's dressage training tip is brought to you by Total Saddle Fit, home of the shoulder relief girth at totalsaddlefit.com. Well, Phil, we've got a great Total Saddle Fit tip of the week, but we wanted to start start talking about the shoulder relief synthetic girth. This is such a good girth for this time of the year, don't you think? I think so. It's hot now here in Canada, so we're, we're seeing a lot of sweaty horses, you know, which can be a problem because then the tack need, you know, the leather tack needs so much more attention. Uh, synthetic is the way to go in this uh, in this weather. I think you know it has all the same properties of of the fit of a shoulder relief girth, just in a in a synthetic version. I think that's awesome. Yeah, it's great, and we all know I like to hose girths. So this <laughs> one, Justin doesn't get mad at me that I tell him I hose it. So you can hose this one; it's great. We use it all the time and uh it's it's a really good girth so the price the price point is a is a big advantage too you know so i think it's good that you know you can get a a a shoulder relief girth in all the different price points and Mm -hmm. um everybody can get one all the horses can have one yep i love it i love it well phil i found i was cleaning my files and i found the coolest thing i kept it obviously because it is from 2005 that's how deep i was in my files um but i kept it so it's actually um the story behind the dressage letters two possible explanations and it's from euro dressage so take it away phil well it's a little history lesson here and maybe an explanation um so this little article says that the letters were not used in, until international competitions began with, with the Olympics in the 1900s. The first competition in 1912 did not have letters. Sorry, interest. A lot of little interesting yeah. facts here. Um, yep. No Olympics were held in 1960. Or one. And then the letters just appeared in the 1920 Olympics. as Nobody has ever been able to find out the origins, although people have various theories. Um, the first theory is that the letters were the first letter letters of the names of cities conquered by the Romans. Okay, oh. if, you, if you like okay. that explanation. You like that one? And here we have a second possibility for the explanation for the letters. So it appears that in old imperial German court, the walls of the stables or the yard were marked with the letters indicating where each courtier and or rider's horse was to to be stood to await its rider. So at K, they had the king or the Kaiser. At F, they had the first. So that's the, you know, the German name is the first or prince. P is the Ferdinand or Ostler. I'm not sure what kind of quarter that Osler. is. I don't know Yeah, I don't know that yeah. either. V, Vassal. We don't have an explanation for that one. E, Edling or Guest of Honor. Okay. B, Bannertrager, the Standard Bearer. I think I have to get a history lesson here. Yeah, we're going to have to here. look this up here. S <laughs> uh, for Chancellor or Chancellor of Echer. Oh, I do know English mostly and a little bit of German. <laughs> R for Ritter or Knight. That's an easy one. M for Meyer or Steward. And H for Hofsmarschall Lord Chancellor. However, However, in the 1920 Olympics, the letters in the center line were also used A, D, L, X, I, G, and C. Huh. So, I don't think either explanation is perfect, but no. it's something. But it's, I thought, 
I thought it was kind of kind of cool. So I, yeah. I enjoyed that. So <laughs> well, I mean, it's thanks. better than I so far. Like before this little article, I had nothing. I had nothing. I know. So, so I, when I found something. this, I thought, oh, that's kind of exciting. So I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, we love it when uh, we get. Um, ideas for our total saddle fit tip of the week and we love email and facebook shout outs uh, feel free to send them to us well you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website dressageradio.com like us on facebook just search dressage radio show follow us on twitter at horse radio my website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com I think the best way to find me is on Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week for allowing us to put on a good show. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back and we'll talk to you next week. 